0: This week, we're going to be doing some exploring to a place that helped launch some of the world's most famous expeditions.
1: We're only going to be exploring through our ears because, quite frankly, I'm not feeling that great this week.
0: That's why I just made you some chicken soup. I was hoping it would get you prepared for an expedition, but maybe you're only like 50% of the way there.
1: I'll take an expedition to bed, but I guess I'm prepared to hear about your trip to the Explorers Club. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. And this is Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery.
0: Today, we're taking a field trip to the home base of many of America's great explorers from the past hundred plus years, the Explorers Club in New York City.
1: And while we're there, we'll meet a real explorer who's been on expeditions around the world and even into outer space. All right. All right. So... Tell me, what is the Explorers Club? Because I didn't get to go. Because while you were off gallivanting around New York, someone had to stay home and take care of things.
0: I know, I know. I wish you were there, and thank you for taking care of things. But uh, it's a famous club that you might get invited to join if you do some awesome exploring. And before we meet an explorer, I wanted to know, because this is a show about science, if kids thought that you had to be a scientist to be an explorer. So Fiona and Ryan, who are both 10 years old, had this to say. Not all explorers want to do scientific things while they're exploring. Some of them just want to, like, find something or discover something.
1: I think that... When you explore, you're really learning. I think that you really don't need to be a scientist to be an explorer. So I agree. I mean, scientists are not. Explorers learn a lot. So, But why did you want to know?
0: Well, we featured a lot of exciting stories about discovery and exploration on this podcast. And we know that being a scientist gives you the tools and skills to explore everything you can think of. So I got this chance to visit the home of a club that has contributed a lot to science, but you don't have to be a scientist to join.
1: You have to be an explorer to join, right?
0: Yeah, but here's the catch. Your expeditions have to contribute to science. It's sort of like being a citizen scientist, but the very most extreme version of that.
1: Uh, what do you mean by citizen scientist? I think you should explain that.
0: Yeah, I will. It's someone who volunteers to contribute to scientific research, but is not trained as a scientist. It's just curious people like you and me. And the explorer we're about to meet has been one his entire life.
2: I'm Richard Garriott de Caillou is actually my full last name. And you can say I'm a, a private astronaut and video game developer.
0: He's also a board member of the Explorers Club.
2: He sounds pretty awesome, like a private astronaut. In here, that's actually the hatch to a Soyuz spacecraft, uh, the vehicle that I used to fly myself uh, to the International Space Station in 2008.
0: Richard actually has an office in the Explorers Club, but whenever he gets the chance, he's outside exploring. And with exploring, it's like, you can still find a lot of places and things where there's a lot left to know. Richard told me that he's recently gotten really into what's called extremophile life forms. These tiny little organisms that can live in extremely hot or otherwise totally unfriendly environments.
1: Like junior high cafeterias.
2: (laughs) So for example, just this last Christmas, I took a family expedition down to El Salvador and Honduras. And when I arrived in the country, I realized that there were a lot of volcanic vent sites. I called some of my research partners back in the United States saying, hey, has anyone ever sampled this region of the world for extremophile life forms? And the answer was no. And so I immediately changed the itinerary of our trip, collected uh, water samples at a variety of these sites, sent those back to, in this case, the University of Huntsville in Alabama, and that's what they're doing right now.
0: And so you're saying that any family can have their own exploration?
2: Yeah, well, in fact, that goes back to something that I learned as a a youngster from uh, really from my family. I grew up in the Boy Scouts and the Boy Scouts have this uh, motto. When you go out camping in the woods, leave nothing but footprints and take nothing but pictures. Well, my family always had one more little piece we'd add in, which is that if that's someplace unique and special, don't forget to bring back scientific samples.
0: Your father was a scientist, right?
2: That's right. He was an astronaut, to be specific. In fact, I'm now the first, second-generation American astronaut, and I flew with the first, second-generation Russian cosmonaut.
1: Well, it must be pretty intense going camping with an astronaut for a dad. You have to spend time in like the camping simulator and maybe it would spin you around really fast. I don't know why, but probably.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that you can understand how Richard got into it. He didn't become a scientist. His video game company was so successful when he was young, but that hasn't prevented him from doing science.
2: A good explorer, just like a good scientist, is a lifelong learner and has a passion for lifelong learning. But I am a college dropout myself. Yet, I would argue, uh, you know, that I'm an extremely well-educated individual, but it comes from being devoted to lifelong learning.
0: Standing in the Explorers Club, you get the feeling that every explorer who traveled to the ends of the earth was up for learning something new. So we're standing in a parlor room right now, and exactly. where, what do people do in this room? Well,
2: so this is the sort of the members room, you know, we're, we're just inside the front door. Pretty much all of the really serious expeditions that I've been a part of, those expeditions were kicked off here. If not in this room, somewhere within these halls. It's so
0: special to visit the Explorers Club because it's filled with things from the club's amazing history. You can see tours on YouTube and we'll post those on our website. I saw photographs, journals, and flags that have been carried to some amazing places.
2: Explorers Club members have taken Explorers Club flags on virtually every first that has occurred. First of to the top of Mount Everest, first to either of the poles, first to the deepest parts of the sea down the Mariana's Trench.
0: Richard had some incredible objects that witnessed history being made with famous explorers like Ernest Shackleton and Captain Robert Falcon
2: Scott. A few years prior to the pole being won, they had come to within 3 degrees of the pole. This is a little, tiny piece of the wooden sled that was used to get to 3 degrees from the pole before they turned back that used to belong to Ernest Shackleton. Wow.
1: So wait, he had a piece of sled just like sitting in his hand.
0: No, it was actually framed, and it's the most (laughs) impressive sliver of wood that I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I've seen some impressive slivers. So where has Richard explored?
0: Well, he's been all over the world, including Antarctica twice, looking for meteorites, but he says exploring extreme places is a different game than it used to be a hundred years ago.
2: It's not the quite same level of unknown. I never felt that my life was at risk. I mean, it might be a little more dangerous than you know walking on the sidewalk, but uh, a lot more safe than these early explorers. You know, and and these guys were really facing, you know, just incredible levels of physical hardship.
0: That hardship and risk has made for some incredible stories that I've loved my entire life. So you can read about the race to the poles or the first summit of Mount Everest or even landing on the moon. Those were all Explorers Club members. So we're in sort of a, a place of history that goes all over the
2: world. Yeah, that is exactly right. And uh, in, into outer space, of course. and in well, exactly <laughs> around the world and beyond. Um, you know, and one of the one of the things I find most interesting about uh, exploration as you get to understand it, there's also exploration that is happening underneath everyone's noses all the time,
1: like in their mouths. <laughs>
0: I think what he means is that we can all be citizen scientists, because there's a lot of ways to contribute to science just by observing interesting things near where we live. And we can go to the gutter right outside our house right now, or when you're feeling better, to find something out of this world.
2: Finding meteorites is something that most people think is very unlikely and very rare, But in fact, almost everyone who's listening to us today can go find one right now. Grab a magnet, go outside your home, find a place where the water is funneled off the roof of your home or building, hopefully find a place on the ground where that water spills out, and your roof will have been collecting grain of rice size meteorites and depositing them on the ground wherever the water runs off for years. And so all you do is take out a magnet, run a bit in the dirt, you know, right uh, around where the water, you know, hits the ground. But if you take that and put it under a microscope, there's pretty darn good odds that you will find a handful of very small meteorites that you'll be able to recognize by their being iron and having this magnetic Property to be picked up by the magnet. Well, that's so awesome. So like space stuff in your gutter.
0: Yeah, space stuff ends up in your gutter. And along with maybe some other magnetic stuff, you'll recognize a micrometeorite because it would look either perfectly round or pitted, like it's hit up against a bunch of different stuff. If you have a strong enough microscope, you could see a fusion crust from the rock heating up as it falls through space and then quickly cooling.
1: So did you go meteorite hunting with Richard Garriott?
0: Unfortunately, I did not, because he had to move a piece of his spacecraft with an Uber that was coming in three minutes.
1: (laughs) So the Uber spacecraft app? (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's like an Uber extra, 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 extra large. Yeah. But I saved that from the Explorers Club, so we can do it together at home.
1: (laughs) I'll go get my
2: magnet. (laughs)
1: All right, well, that's our show for today.
0: Thanks to Richard Garriott de Caillou, Kevin Murphy, and Lisa Kovitz for setting us up at the Explorers Club, as well as Jeff Silverman for providing his expertise.
1: Also thanks to our kid contributors, Fiona Michael and Ryan Offerman.
0: And their parents for recording them.
1: Sarah Lentz is our associate producer. Ashley Cox is our social media and newsletter maven.
0: I'm Lindy, and I wrote and produced the show...
1: I'm Marshall, and I made the music.
0: And made the cheesy jokes.
1: (laughs) Join us next time for more stories of science discovery.